Okay, now I would like to invite Heather Whalen up. Uh, Heather is, uh, I guess, in the Eudora parts. She's known as the queen of homeschooling. Oh, no. You aren't? Oh, okay. You are, okay, well, I've, if I lived in Eudora, I would call her the queen of homeschooling. And what we want to do is we want to have just a moment together um, to talk a little bit about homeschooling, which, Heather, I will admit, I never in a million years thought that I would be actually saying I'm going to be a homeschool dad tomorrow. Kind of crazy, but we're going to have a little conversation right now. Um, I'm going to move this stand real quick, and then we're going to talk, okay? okay? As I move the stand, can you maybe introduce yourself to everyone? Yes. All right. Good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you and at least know that you we are together in some form. Um, my name is Heather Whalen. I've been an educator or teacher in some form for over 25 years. I started out as a public school teacher, um, got married, and then had three kids and stayed home with them. And um, at, when my oldest got to kindergarten age, I decided I wasn't quite ready to part with her and thought, you know, I can try this homeschooling thing and um, started that and remember thinking, is this even legal for me to have her home and be doing this? It was such a weird, strange thought to be schooling at home. Um, so I know how that feels and I think that's what I'm hearing from lots of people, like how in the world do I do this? So, um, so yeah, so I've public school, teacher. I've homeschooled for 11 years and um, kind of seen it and done some of it and know that we're all, though, however, none of us have ever been in this place. And so, um, so I'm excited to kind of help or encourage at least. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because in, in the world that we live in, there's not a lot of things that all of us have in common. <laughs> you know, God's made us unique people, which is awesome and really, really cool. Tomorrow, Pretty much everyone that has an elementary school kid, a middle schooler, or a high schooler or college. Has, has something new, or college, has something new in common. We're all homeschoolers. Right. We're coming alongside it. So can you just maybe talk a little bit about, like, answer this, just a couple questions. Number sure. one is, like, how do we start? Like, how do you even start with that? I know that, like, like with the school district my family lives in, we've gotten emails, and that's been helpful. But, like, you've done this a long time. Can you share with us a little bit about just some helpful tips on how to start and do this well? Sure. First of all, take a deep breath. We all collectively just need to take a deep breath because there is no perfect way to do this. No matter whether you are a teacher or have homeschooled for 50 years, everyone will tell you there is no perfect day, even in the public schools and Christian schools. So just take a deep breath and just know that it's not going to be perfect and don't expect it to be. Um, but it will... It, you are, this is such a unique time. Um, as I prayed about what to talk about today, I just felt like God just kept bringing the word time. And, um, and so I would encourage first, um, you know, talk, talk with your kids. They need conversation. Um, whether you have a kindergartner or whether you have a college-age kid living in your house, everything looks different for everybody. And so um, just spend some time talking. Like, ask your kids, are you nervous about this? How are you feeling about doing school online? What are you going to miss about being at school? And just kind of get a gauge of where your kids are coming from. And that will kind of help set the tone for what your, your home is going to look like during the school days. So I would really recommend some good conversations. Um, and also, I would encourage you as a parent to kind of just take some time. And what do you want this to look like when we're on the other side of this? You know, what are this time thing. We have time to maybe do some things or teach your kids things that we've never had time to do before. Um, do you want to cook together? Do you want to plant a garden? Do you want to read aloud? 
daily devotions, Bible studies. I mean, this is an amazing opportunity for us to be super intentional with our kids with time that we have never had before and may never Lord willing, hopefully have again in this in this type of setting. So um, I just think, ask yourself, what do you want, what do you want this to look like on the other end? What do you want your kids to look back and remember? What memories can you make with them? Again, whether they're five years old or whether they're 20 and home from college. Um, and, and so I would encourage you to kind of be really intentional. Okay. And so our kids are used to kind of a, a daily schedule when they go to school. Can you talk a little bit about like what advice you might have for parents? Uh, do you just get away from that or, or it, do, do you have, have advice on, on how, to, how to handle that best? Totally, so I think um, the second thing I would do, so now I wanna kinda just share a few like more practical tips, I think mm -hmm. maybe is what you're kind yeah. of sharing or getting at. Like I, I strongly recommend a schedule of some form. And again, we are all different. Some of us are very scheduled and some of us are not, but our kids are used to knowing what the day looks like. And so it doesn't necessarily mean at nine o'clock we're doing this, at 9.15 we're doing that. But I would encourage you to set a schedule where everyone can see it, um, either literally a sign in the kitchen or on the, in their bedrooms or whatever it is, to just kind of let them know what the day looks like, um, you know? and. And also, I would encourage just a, um, like, maybe a, a daily checklist for each of your kids. And I've, I've shared with Nate kind of something that we've used in our home, and he'll have it up on maybe the website or email it out. But it's just a way, a lot of us, a lot of us parents are working from home now. So there, it's not like we can just sit there in school with our, kid all, our, our kids all day. And so there's a couple of little things with the schedule and maybe a daily list of what you expect responsibilities that your kid has that will give you some free time for you to be able to work on times when you aren't interrupted so they know what to do. This is an awesome opportunity for our kids to learn some self-responsibility and just some discipline and um, again, some responsibility. Okay. And then um, maybe the last question here. This is clearly uncharted waters for all of us, or Absolutely. at least most of us, okay? <laughs> no. like, like all of us. Like, even, I, yeah. like I exposed at the beginning, I never <laughs> yeah. in a million years did I ever think that I would call myself a homeschool dad. Right, right. Okay? Yeah. And so how do we, like, navigate these uncharted waters and the uncertainty of never doing this before yet, you know, the pressure that comes with that? I've been asking myself the same because I have, so I've homeschooled, um, we homeschooled our children from kindergarten through sixth grade, and then we've sent them to public school in seventh grade. So at the moment, I've got a sophomore, um, an eighth grade daughter, sophomore daughter, eighth grade daughter, and then a fifth grade son who I'm still homeschooling. So we are in this boat too of getting all this information from schools. Okay, when, it, when are they having the online classes? What assignments are due? And so first thing I would say is give grace. We are going to need lots of grace. We are going to need to give lots of grace to our kids. We are gonna to need to give lots of grace to ourselves because nobody has ever done this. So just be prepared to, to tweak and change your day. As the, as the weeks go by, you'll kind of get more in a rhythm. But again, I just encourage a rhythm, um, a, a system, a schedule, whatever works for your family. And don't compare it to your neighbor, don't compare it to somebody, what they're doing on Instagram. That's your worst, mm -hmm worst thing you can do because there's always somebody doing it better or different than you but settle in you know your kids whether you've taught them or not you know your kids and you know yourself so be confident in that God has given you wisdom for your family for your kids rest in that and, and 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 again just use this time to do some things with them that you've never been able to do um 
you know, I've been praying um, for God to unite our hearts with our kids and with mm-hmm. him in, in unique ways in this unexpected time. So On the other end of this, the, it can just be an incredible time. And I also just keep thinking that, you know, the, God does not do things by accident, nor is he surprised by this. And mm-hmm. so whatever we are, um, we're stewards over our kids. And so whether you feel an expert or not, it doesn't matter. God chose you to be your kid's parent Amen. for a reason. Right. And this is the time for that. And you have what you need, whether you feel like it or not. If you are praying and on your knees and asking God to use you, he will use you in your kids' lives. And they will, you know, whatever challenge and struggle, this is preparing them for challenges and struggles in mm-hmm. their life someday as the teenager or older. And they're watching to see how you handle it. And so if they see you looking to the Lord and spending time with them, Honestly, time with your kids, even though maybe they don't want it at the moment and maybe you don't want it at the moment, that is okay. God knows your heart, and he does not think you're a bad parent for going, I wish they were just at school. It is okay. Um, And so just, just rest knowing that this is not a surprise to God. It's a total surprise to us and hard. Um, But it is a beautiful thing if you choose to let God use your imperfections and your inequipness. You know, I mean, I'm even inequipped. I don't know how to do what we're being asked to do either. But, right. but I guess just awesome. rest. God's got grace. But practically, just practically, I do encourage a schedule. I also encourage recess very much, either uh, especially together mm-hmm. <laughs> for a few mm-hmm. times. Um, even for your high school kids, don't let them think they're too cool for recess. Mm-hmm. And I would also encourage getting up, get dressed. Brushing your teeth is not an optional activity, I don't think. So, um, you know, just do some of the things that they are used to doing. Kids will learn better if they are up, ready, prepared for the day, not lounging around in their yoga pants and watching an episode of, I don't know what, before school. Just kind of, just set, when I started homeschooling, honestly, that was one of the best things I did. I really treated the day like a school day. Mm -hmm. Um, And if your kids get done early for the day, that's great. Um, let them earn that, but um, you know, talk with them. See how they want to learn. Do they want to? Do they want to learn outside? Do they want to do their math on the deck? Great. What difference does it make if yeah. they're doing it? Great. Let them do that. Be, be. You have a chance to make their educational experience something they don't ever get to do either. So. Sure. Good. Awesome. Sorry, um, I could talk forever. On yeah. This. No, it's Sorry. cool. And speaking of talking forever, tomorrow <laughs> night we're going to actually have an opportunity yeah. to do that. So if anyone wants to join us, we are going to be having a Zoom conference tomorrow night online. Uh, It's at 7.30. We will email out the link to all elementary, middle school, and high school parents. So will you just pray for us as we close our time? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are unchanging. Um, Everything around us seems to be changing. Um, And we are so grateful that you are the rock that we stand on. That no storm, nothing can change who you are, and it cannot change how much you love us. God, we just pray for a pouring out of your grace and mercy upon us over this week, especially for families um, with kids at home now and that are trying to figure out new ways to do school. We just pray your grace. We pray a wave of patience for parents and kids. And um, Lord, for big kids who are now home from college, um, who are grieving the loss of time there, we pray for them. We pray for kids who have lost sports seasons and um, time with friends. We just pray, Lord, you would fill those holes of disappointment. And we pray for the, the stress and the nerves of parents who are now working from home and trying to teach and 
these things, God, we just know that you are enough. We are not, but you are. And we just choose to rest in this. Um, Lord, help us be intentional and help us to unite our, our hearts and our families together during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Heather. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Which way are you going? Okay. Good morning. I'm sure you're sitting, and if I were you, I would be going on to second breakfast right now. Um, Next week, I anticipate eating a second breakfast about this time and uh, sitting on the couch with a comfy blanket. So I'm excited to be here um, talking with you guys online. Uh, This last week, I was in a Zoom meeting, and I had it on mute, and I was whispering to my husband something. And he looked right at me, and he's like, why are you whispering to me? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I didn't need to do that. (laughs) Anyways, we're all adjusting, right? Um, Hey, I just wanted to start this morning by talking about coming up here and, um, and preaching. And I don't know why I feel like I should say this, but I just want to make it uh, normal. Like, I'm a normal person coming to you um, with the normal stresses of the week. Um, and our goal in preaching is for us to draw closer to God. Um, and oftentimes, as a preacher, when, when you're preparing the message, God's speaking to yourself just as much as the people. And so this week, I have been at home preparing a message with my husband, who somehow foresaw this happening because he moved his computer station to the basement. And I am upstairs with a 12-year-old who um, has thought he might have lost his social life and um, watching way too much screens, I will admit, and a two-year-old who thinks he is in the best time of his life, that everyone has stayed home to play with him the entire time. In fact, we didn't, he skipped nap twice this week where I had like thought I was gonna have this much time to work. And um, it's almost his birthday, so he's singing the happy birthday song all the time. So I am standing up here telling you um, that the Lord has talked to me more this week through this message um, and that I might just be talking to myself um, in this next few minutes. Um, but really am hoping that you can hear how God is speaking to us in the midst of what's happening right now. So in the last few weeks, Brad's been talking to us through the book of Ephesians. Um, He uh, talked about how we are chosen and adopted by God, um, that our identity is in Christ. And last week, he challenged us to live as Christ had lived. And then he asked me to preach on Ephesians 3 in the first part. And I was like, yeah, sure, I got this. And I open and read it, and it's about the mystery of God. And I thought, oh, yeah, you gave me, you sucker punched me. Um, So as I'm thinking, I'm so glad there's some people here to laugh because it makes me feel like I'm... Um, So I was thinking about the mystery of God. Okay, so, well, what do we think about when we think of mystery? And I'm like, well, we think about, like, mystery novels. You know, I grew up, like, with Goosebumps and Nancy Drew. Um, And sometimes we think about, like, mystery movies. Um, You know, Murder, She Wrote or Knives Out. Uh, Some of us think of, like, the New Age era. 
or we're drawn to the mystery of magic. But when I say mystery of God, that means something completely different than just mystery. Uh, We think maybe the charismatic Christian or the Holy Spirit or words like the manifestation of God or fire of God, visions and dreams and speaking in tongues. and, And all of these things are some sort of mystery. But in studying Ephesians 3, what I came to find out is mystery in the Pauline letters are actually pretty um, consistent. He talks about the mystery of God 21 times in his letters, and six of those times are in Ephesians. In this particular passage, Paul is revealing the mystery of God. So he's like helping us out. (laughs) He's saying the Spirit of God has revealed his plan to me. So it's connected to what God has revealed for our benefit. Amen? Thank God that he has revealed his plan to us. So I'm going to pick up here in Ephesians 3, verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly... In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. We may not see God, but he is a God who keeps revealing himself. He's revealed himself to us, and he wants us to know him. He doesn't want to be unknown. When we go back and we think about what we've talked about these last few weeks, Um, If we really are these people that are chosen, adopted, and and have our complete identity in him, then we really should know the plan the Father has for us. And in this passage, Paul talks about that plan that's revealed. So I'm going to spend the next um, time talking about the plan that God's revealed. Um, And that is that we are people to live in unity, that God is a saving God, And we are to be people of the gospel. In verse 6, it says, The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together, one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So God's plan all along has been to unify his people. You know, it wasn't just for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles, amen, because that's why we're standing here, and I'm talking to you as a Gentile. At the time, it was just for the Jews. So this text actually does apply to us today, and I think it applies even more today than than what we even can imagine. I can't help but think about all the unity we have in this country. I mean, I think we're definitely nailing this part. I was thinking about all this unity, and then everything that came into mind was, I only can name the disunity that we have. I think the fact is that we live in a world of division. Politics, red versus blue. Generationally, baby boomers versus millennials. Racially, black and white, native Chinese, you name it. Nationally, the U.S. versus the Middle East, North Korea versus South Korea, bringing it closer to home as Christians, conservative versus liberal, liturgical versus casual, contemporary, traditional. 
I think we've missed it. According to the gospel, this part of God's plan has been revealed. We are called to live in unity. It's not that we have to like believe everything everyone believes or agree, but we are to recognize that the Father we are one with and we share in the same benefits of the Lord. We all have the opportunity to reach salvation. God has revealed his majesty and his purpose of bringing unity to the people as co-inheritors of himself. And as I read and studied this, I was so encouraged this week. Thank God for this news. We all have the opportunity for salvation. The fact is we're not called to write people off. One, bo- one part of the body can't dismiss the other part. And the best example I had from this is a few years ago, some of you may remember, I was, I was, was a big CrossFitter, and uh, I was trying to PR, which means personal record, in this thing called the push press. So it's where you have the bar here, and I, you bend your knees, and you get a little bit of jump to push up the weight. And I did that, and as I pushed up the weight, because I thought I was so macho and strong, um, I heard a snap in my knee. It didn't hurt, but uh, the weight fell, and I fell on the ground. The coach came to me, and he's like, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. And so a few minutes of discussion, we decided, let's just stand up and see. And as I stood up, I fell right back down. And come to find out, I had completely um, torn my ACL. You can see in the picture behind me, the ACL is this tiny little ligament in your knee. And through, after surgery and getting it fixed, I also learned you just can't walk again. (laughs) That what actually happens is the muscles around your knee, and especially your quad, to protect the knee, it turns off. So the whole thing wasn't working. And it wasn't, um, if it wasn't for some of my physical therapists, I, I literally don't think I would be walking because it was so much work to get it back. And I think that this is really similar to what God is calling us in unity, that we can't work together without everything, without all of us. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If we were all one part, where would the body be? But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that all the parts should have equal concern for each other. said, we're called to unity because we need one another. Just as I needed that little ligament for my entire leg to work, we need each other. We're entering into a space in history that we see firsthand the need for one another. We need each other to be neighbors and friends and family and generous and kind and understanding and loving and full of grace. The list goes on and on. I can't help but look at this time from a parent's perspective. This week, I'm sitting on the couch because I got a lot going on, and I'm listening to the two boys fighting and screaming, and I can feel like the blood pressure rising up 
in me, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And what did I do? I did the most holy thing you could do. I just screamed at him. I said, go to your rooms. And I like had this epiphany of like, oh my word, the Lord might be really tired of us fighting and screaming that he's like, go to your houses. I need a break. I mean, I don't know if that's really like theologically sound or right, um, but I, it was like this epiphany I had. The thing is, is God has told us a long time ago that we need one, one another, that we're equal, that we're to live in unity. Point number two is that God has revealed himself as a saving God. We pick up in verse 10. His intent was now, through the church, the manful wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purposes, that if he accomplished in Christ our Lord, in him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Ephesians 3.10 is talking about the very purpose of the church's existence. Our purpose in conduct, is to make known how great God's plan for salvation is, and for the people and the authorities and society to know as well. We are, pre- we are to preach and to show others what God has accomplished through Jesus, salvation for the world. You know, we've heard lots, like the church isn't the building, but like, literally we see, like, the church is not the building. You are the church. I am the church. We are all the church together. You, we are the church. It is us that God's calling to share the news of his salvation for the world. So the next thing we should be doing, according to Ephesians 3.10, is asking God for wisdom. I think this is the main point that the Lord has asked me to share this morning. That we need to be praying for wisdom that God wants to reveal that to his church, us. We're, we're, we're all trying to figure out how to work, live, eat, sleep, make money in a completely different environment than three weeks ago. Unemployment claims have reached over three million, quadrupled from the recession in 2008. People are getting sick and passing away. Health officials are trying to keep the nation well and the hospitals not from being overrun. The government's trying to figure out how to get people back to work. The only answer is God. We need God. We need God to show us the way out. Here in Ephesians, we see that God wants to give that to us. This verse says that we can approach God boldly and with confidence. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We must know that we can boldly access God and ask him. Any confidence that we have is from the faithfulness of Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. Our confidence isn't our own. Is that we're confident in Jesus and God to say who they are. So I just want to stop now and just ask boldly for God to reveal this to us. So join me. God, we come to you boldly with confidence, knowing that you want to reveal the solution to what we're in. 
God, that you feel it with us. You're enduring it with us. God, we ask that you supernaturally show us the way out. And Lord, ultimately, God, would people be pointed to you because they would see that it's only you that has been revealed through this, God. I just want to pray and plead with you that you this week would continue to pray and ask God boldly to give us the answers. The third point is that we are to be gospel people. As a believer, any confidence that we have in Christ is through the faithfulness of Christ. I've said that. But knowing the gospel is where our confidence comes from. Our confidence comes from knowing and believing the gospel. When I say the gospel, I mean that Christ came to this earth, he died for us, he rose for our salvation, ascended into heaven, and now sits on the right hand of God, interceding on our behalf. This is what we should be living out of. I think we can say this, but it's easier said than done. And I think it's easier said than done because we live in this age of what's called relativity. What I mean is, I hear, and I'm sure you've heard, like, you could believe that, that's okay, that's your belief. Or, you know, I believe this, and you believe that, and we'll just stay in our corners and be fine. Sometimes I think this comes in the form of, of believing things that aren't even true. Some of the best examples I can give is... Um, you know, maybe our spouse is late, something has happened, and our mind just starts going crazy about what has happened. And we start believing this thing. By the time they get in the door, you're so angry at them. When in fact, what happened is they had a flat tire, their phone died, and they couldn't get a hold of anyone to help. And so we've created this thing, and we're living out of that. I think sometimes we do that so much that we treat each other in humane ways. Um, there's this video I, I wanted to play to kind of illustrate the point, so here it is. There's this man who is um, punching this woman's seat because he ha she has um, put it down. And she's just sitting there enduring it. I think that he has said or believed in his mind that it's okay for me to punch this lady because she's gotten into my space. His truth was that. It made it acceptable to him. If we're living in this world and if our society is believing only what each person wants to believe and we're living and operating out of that, then where is the truth of the gospel standing? I think one of the biggest problems we're facing as the church is that we have to stand firm in our belief in the truth of the gospel. Because if we don't have confidence in the gospel, then what do we have? What are we pointing other people to? So here we are, the world's gone a little bit crazy, we've gone a little bit crazy, and we're asking, how are we going to respond to the crisis? 
How are we going to look different based on the fact that we know Jesus has come to save the world? See, I'm convinced the gospel isn't just one item or book or resource among many. It's all we have. It's what we cling to. The gospel is a gospel of grace and death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the inclusion of all God's people. And I'm convinced more than ever that we have to be gospel people. This is what I mean by gospel people. We have to be defined by the gospel. How we live and how we act needs to be in this truth. We allow the gospel to be our culture. We live outside of this world, not in it. We can't be anxiety-ridden like the rest. Because we live in the confidence of what Christ has already done for us. We can be smart, but we need to be secure. We allow the gospel to help us stand over and against the distorting pressures of the world. This week when I turned on the news, I literally could feel my body changing and get tense, uneasy and worried. I did this really profound thing. It's amazing. You could take it. You could, you could use it. I just turned it off. Yeah, I turned it off. And then I turned to worship music on, and the entire atmosphere in my house changed. I could see the kids better. I could see my husband better. Myself. We were all better. In that time, I found myself praying more. I found myself listening more. As gospel people, we defined how we deal with hardships. When Jesus was facing the cross, right before he, he went to the cross, he left his disciples. Well, I mean, he tried to bring them, but they, put, they wouldn't wake up enough to be with him. And he entered into this garden, and he pleaded with the Father. And in that time, he heard from the Father because he accepted it. Not my will, but yours. So in this time, let's get away and plead with the Father. In that, I think he's going to bring us to the place of acceptance. Because what was next for Jesus saved the entire world. So maybe what's next for us just might open up people to be saved as well. For people to know the power and the strength and the kindness and the faithfulness of Jesus. So let's get away and pray with God. I didn't want to end without kind of talking about this last verse that Paul talks about. And I think it's pretty relevant because um, he's writing this letter while in prison. He was enduring hardship and still living into his call. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you. So you should feel honored. You know, there's some evidence that Paul's jail time in some places was actually in his home, that he was homebound in jail. That sounds so familiar, doesn't it? But here's the thing. Nowhere in scriptures did Paul dwell on the fact that that was happening to him. I didn't find any negative response to it. 
Paul wasn't defined by it. Instead, he kept steady to his call to bring forth the gospel to the Gentiles. In fact, his ministry was so big from his home that we're still reading, studying, and preaching and living by today. What if that is us and for the future? Paul does the opposite of becoming negative and full of worry. He views the hardship as a positive, rejoicing, and pleading with others to rejoice with him. I think in order to do this, his identity had to be so securely rested in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He believed in that so much that he was willing to be put in prison by it over and over and over again. So when we find ourselves in worry and anxiety, I just think, for me, I've been going back to these questions. Is our identity resting securely in the death and resurrection of Christ? Do we rest confidently in the truth of the gospel? Do we believe that the privilege of working for God and having access to God far outweighs the difficulty we're enduring? Paul only had one solution to his problem. And I think that's our only solution as well. He applied the truth of Jesus and remained confident of him until the very end. So here's our solution. Let's apply the gospel to our situation. Let's be in the word more than we are on TV. And I'm not just talking about the news, but Netflix and Hulu and all of it. YouTube speaking to the younger generation there. Let's seek God for wisdom and pray for heavenly solutions to our problem. Pray and have conversations with God. We should be listening and talking to God more than we are listening and hearing other voices. Because this is where our confidence comes from. This is where our hope comes from. This is the steady, calm voice that he gives to us as a gift. I think the last thing, the solution, is to share the good news and the truth of the gospel so it will remain intact for the next generation. We need to be in unity with one another. We need to show the age of relativity that it is not that. This is the truth. So God doesn't get lost with the truths that are out there. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And I just am pleading that you get away and hear from God this week. Lord, if we come to you and we thank you that you've revealed this plan to us, Lord, to be people of unity, to rest confident, confidently that you have saved us, and then God to live and act out of the gospel. Lord, in this time, would we just come and lay before you as you did in the garden? Would you give us the wisdom of how to move forward? And Lord, would you align us so that when the whole world sees that you've revealed this plan, that we could come alongside and pray and equip and help heal?